Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So a few weeks ago at our Christmas services, I say, hey, you gotta, whether you're online or in person, we gotta get together January 9th. We're gonna launch this series, a five-week series called Five. And you showed up, whether you're in person or online, and I wasn't there. Wow, and it gets even worse, you know? Because it's no longer a five-week series called Five, it's now a six-week series called Five. So you can't say I'm predictable, that's for sure. Now the reason why it's gone from a five-week series called Five to a six-week series called Five is because I added a week, obviously. (laughs) Oh, wow. That week is this week. So that week I added is this week. And the reason I added is because I heard this story between Christmas and New Year's that I just have not been able to shake. And I actually think it's the exact introduction that God wants to give us as we launch into this six-week series called Five. So the Crusades happened about a 1,000 years ago. Now many of us have a cursory knowledge of the Crusades, like a Christian holy war with all kinds of negative connotations spreading the gospel by force. And the truth is, most of what we've heard is a gross oversimplification at best. But I'm going to leave that discussion for another day. During the Crusades, there was a group called the Knights Templar. They were like Christian soldiers under the command of the Pope. And what they did, they had an interesting tradition. Right before they went into battle, they would get baptized. And if you're new to church and new to the whole Christian thing or just checking us out, let me explain what baptism is really quickly. Baptism is like an outward expression of faith. Baptism is like saying, Jesus, you gave it all for me, and now I want to give myself fully and completely to you. I trust you, Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I trust you. So these Knights Templar, every time they were preparing to go into battle, they would get baptized but there was a uniqueness to their baptism. And to explain that to you, I have my lovely assistant Leah coming out to give me a prop. This is, let's, let's welcome Leah Weens. Thank you, Leah. I'm not sure how we're supposed to do this. Uh, three things you need to know about Leah, by the way, while she's here. Uh, number one, about a year ago, we did this thing at staff, we did a push-up competition to see who could do the most push-ups in a row. I won't tell you exactly how many Leah did. Suffice it to say this, she can do more push-ups than you, okay? Uh, Secondly, Leah can play any instrument. So just the other day, I said to Leah, hey, I bet you can't play the drums. I finally came up with an instrument that you can't play. She sat down at the drum set, and she can also play the drums. And thirdly, I don't know if you noticed this, Henry, but lately, there's been a lot of close-ups on the hand version of the keyboards during music. You notice that at all? I sure have. And the reason is, we might as well just get it over with. Why don't you just show them, Leah? Why don't you just show them? There it is. All right. Thank you, Leah. So these Knights Templar, there was a uniqueness to the baptism. They would carry their sword with them into the water. And when they got baptized, they would hold their swords up above the water. So let's remember what baptism is. It's an outward expression of faith. So what they were saying is this, Jesus, I trust you with everything. I give you everything except for this hand and this sword. As if to say this, 
what I do with this sword, Jesus, you're not going to like it, and I don't care. And before you think to yourself, I'm making a backhanded appeal to pacifism, let me explain that quickly. I'm not a pacifist. So if if someone were to threaten my loved ones, I would stop them using whatever means necessary. And if I'm going to be logically and morally consistent, then I would have to say that there are moments that what is true for me personally would also be true geopolitically. In fact, I would go as far as to say this, that protecting those who need protecting is consistent with the teachings of Jesus. No disrespect to you if you are a pacifist, but I am not one. And neither were the Knights Templar. Okay, so let's be really clear here. They weren't in the waters of baptism holding up their sword going, Jesus, I know that you don't don't like war, but I'm going to war anyways. They didn't believe that. They believed that it was okay to go to war. Here's what they were saying. What I'm going to do with this sword? (laughs) It's going to be over and above. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be reprehensible. You're not going to like it, Jesus, and I don't care. I've been thinking a lot about that. So the Knights Templar, they were headquartered in Jerusalem. And just imagine going back a thousand years, walking along the Mediterranean Sea near Jerusalem, and seeing those knights in the waters of baptism, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 of them, and this forest of swords being held up out of the water. That's pretty chilling, right? And it really got me thinking about you, and it really got me thinking about me in this series that we're about to jump into, a six-week series called Five. See, what I want to do is over the next five weeks, I want to give you five simple steps that we can take in five minutes a day. Full disclosure, I think you're going to like it so much that you'll spend more than five minutes, but in five minutes a day, I really believe that we can move towards being spiritually healthy this year, or spiritually more healthy this year. And it's a big deal, too, because you don't have a soul. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body and you have a mind. You are a soul. You, you, you are way more than a body. You are way more than your brain. You are a soul. You have a body and you have a mind. So when you are spiritually healthy, it actually radically impacts your emotional health. It radically impacts even your physical health. And that's where I want to start in 2022. You know what? Because the last two years have shown something to me. If I'm waiting for this physical world, if I'm even waiting for this emotional world to bring me comfort, to bring me joy, and bring me peace, here's the truth. I will be waiting a long, long, long time. So here's where I think you and me start in 2022. I think we start here at the core of who we are. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. Let's start there. So I'm going to give you five steps. You're going to love them. No, you really will. But i got to be truthful. I added this week to tell you one thing. Spiritual health starts with one thing. It starts with faith. And if baptism is a pictorial representation of faith, I want you to think about that chilling sight of walking along the Mediterranean Sea and seeing this forest of swords extended up out of the water. That's, by the way, not faith. Faith is coming to this point in your life where you say, Jesus, you gave it all for me, and so I trust you. I'm not perfect, but I trust you with everything. I'm all in. 
And honestly, I'm not talking about a defeated, guilt-ridden surrender to a life where I'm always feeling like I didn't quite do enough. In fact, I'm calling for the opposite. This is what faith is. Faith is a joyful, grateful, exuberant, wholehearted abandonment to God. And not just any God, but the God. The God of mercy, the God of grace, the God of kindness, the God of power, and the God of love. And therefore, I am grateful and joyful to give a wholehearted abandonment. That's faith. And that's where it starts. Not with perfection, but with faith. As I just thought of that forest of swords extending up out of the waters of the Mediterranean Sea, and I began to ask myself, well, what about me? Am I all in? Do, do I truly trust God with everything? Or if I was completely honest, would I say that there are parts of my life that I've been holding back? And if I want to move towards spiritual health this year, wouldn't it then logically follow that this year I need to say, Jesus, I actually trust you even with that thing? So I'm going to throw some ideas out at you about areas that maybe you're holding back. The first one I thought of right away was your mouth, okay, your mouth, which is funny because you're getting baptized and you don't want to get your face wet and you're okay, but anyways, your, your mouth. Isn't it amazing that God gave us the ability to communicate? He gave us the hardware and he gave us the software to communicate. You know why? He, he gave us the ability to communicate so that we could build one another up, so that we can encourage each other so we can actually strengthen one another in the way that we speak to each other and yet I would ask you right now would you say that that's what you're using your words for are you are you using words to strengthen are you using words to build up are you using words to encourage or if you look back over the last month or even the last year would you say this all too often my words are used to tear down my use my words are used to gossip my words are used to slander here's what i suggest to you i suggest that this year we submit even our words to him i was thinking a lot about that you know where did, where does gossip and slander and words that tear down come from i think it starts with some version of jealousy. Like I, I look at somebody else and I look at their life, I look at what they have, I look at who they are, and something about what they have and the life they're living and who they are makes me look at me and who I am and the life that I'm living and the things that I have and it makes me ungrateful. Maybe, here's a better word, it makes me insecure with who I am and what I have and the life I'm living. And so something inside of me is tempted to use my words to tear them down. Why? Because I want to tear them down to a point, to, to, to my level or maybe even below. Here's what I say we do. This year, you submit even your words, you submit even your mouth to God. You know what will happen when you do that? It won't be perfect, but you know what will happen when you start to submit your words to God and say, God, help me speak words that build up and strengthen and encourage? You know what will happen? He'll get to work on this. And next thing you know, next thing you know, you'll begin to see who you really are. 
the life that you really have today, tomorrow, and forever, and what you really have in Jesus, and you will realize that you have so much, you don't have anything to be jealous with anyone about. So does your mouth. I think we should stop lying this year. I think we should stop lying this year. I think it's become a habit for so many people. I'll give you three lies that you should stop telling this year. Three of them. Here's one. Hey, how are you? I'm awesome when you're not. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Here's another one. Hey, I tried to get a hold of you yesterday. Huh, what happened? And you say, weird, I missed your call. No, you didn't. Stop doing that. Or, hey, man, or woman, person, uh, do we have a problem? Is there a problem between you and me? What? No, we're fine when you're not. Stop doing that. It's interesting because the Bible says that we have a spiritual enemy, an enemy of our souls, and it's the devil. And you know one of the names that's given to the devil? The father of lies. Here's why I think he delights in your lies. He delights in your lies because it, it prevents you from having actual, real relationships. Relationships that are meant to strengthen you, encourage you, and uplift you. So we have a whole culture that, that maybe our relationships could best be defined this way. Hey, the me that I'm pretending to be gets to meet the you that you're pretending to be, and that's not a relationship. Real me and real you is a relationship. So imagine this, the next time somebody says to you, hey, I called you yesterday, what happened? What if you were to look at them and say, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Here's the thing though, I didn't answer it. Because every time you call me, it feels like uh, you yell at me and you complain. And I just wasn't up to it yesterday. What would happen then? Oh, real simple. We'd get real in a hurry, wouldn't we? And then real me would meet real you. For some of us, it's not our mouth. Maybe it's time. For some of us, we're grasping onto our painful past. I'm talking to you if you're, if you're somebody who's just carrying your guilt and your shame and your regrets around with you every day and you just can't let it go. Have you ever heard this phrase? Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Ever heard that? Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Ever heard that? Well, 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 it's a good one. Here's why. Jesus is Lord of your embarrassing past. Jesus is the Lord of your embarrassing past. He died for you. He rose again for you and your embarrassing past. What do I mean? I mean this, that, that you look at me and you say, well, my sin is like scarlet. My regrets and my shame, it's like scarlet. You know what? The Bible says that when Jesus died, he came to wash that whiter than snow. He's gone, man. You say, no, 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 it's not. See, my, 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 my shame, like it, 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 it hangs on to me like a stink. I can't get rid of it. That's not true. It's actually not true. It's actually not true. You're a new creation. When Jesus died and rose again, he did it so that your sin, your guilt, your embarrassing past could be removed from you as far as the east is from the west, which I think is a pretty long ways. You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. There's something beautiful for you today when you let go of your painful past. 
For others, it's not stuff that you've done that you feel guilty about. It's stuff that's been done to you. You feel bitter about it. I'm just wondering, you know, how many minutes have you given to that person? How many minutes? Your stomach in knots, your chest tight, your fist clenched, heart rate goes up. How many minutes? How many hours? How many days? How many months? How many years? In 2022, it stops. It stops. You even release your painful past to him, and God wants to show you in 2022 that he can take your ashes and make something beautiful from even those things, which, by the way, I really wish, and Jesus really, really wishes that it never would have happened, and yet he still promises that he can make beauty out of ashes. It's funny, as I began to preach this sermon, I started asking myself, well, what about you, Mike? What about you? If, if, if you had to think back at that forest of swords a thousand years ago in the Mediterranean Sea, what, what are you holding up above the waters of baptism? What are you holding back? And there's two. And I'll give them to you back to back. You ready? The first one for me, see, I don't have a problem hanging on to my painful past. I don't. I don't agonize wishing that I could change the unchangeable past. I don't. I don't wish that I could change the unchangeable past. Here's what I do. I wish that I could control the uncontrollable future. I wish that I could control the uncontrollable future. I wish that I could control the uncontrollable future. You know what that's called? It's called anxiety. So I have a tendency sometimes to live in the what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. I want to control the uncontrollable future. And as I was praying and studying for this message, maybe you're a little bit like me. Maybe you can relate a little bit. And here's what I felt God say to me. I don't know. Speaking as me now. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I don't. I don't know. But I do know the God who goes before me into tomorrow. And I know some things about him. He's kind, and he's faithful, and he's mercy, and he's grace, and he's love. So even though I do not know what tomorrow will bring, I know the God that goes before me into tomorrow, and when I know that, I can honestly sit here and tell you, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. The second one for me, Self-pity. 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 I don't struggle with it all the time. A couple times a year, though, man, I can go on a self-pity rule. People say to me sometimes, man, Mike, you're really good at writing stories and telling these great stories. Oh, you've never heard my best stories, my most compelling, convincing stories. Those are the sob stories I tell myself a couple times a year. Oh, I could tell you how I have it tougher than anyone you know. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. Be thankful in all circumstances. A couple times a year, I am definitely not. I want to let it go. I want it to be zero times a year. I want to let it go. 
And there's, there's this prayer that came to me. It's this old prayer called the serenity prayer. You ever heard of it? It, it says this. It says, God, please grant me the serenity to accept the, accept the things that I can't change. The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's it. That's it. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go this year. I was talking to you earlier about how it must have been just so chilling, you know? Seeing this forest of swords extended up above the Mediterranean Sea a thousand years ago. If baptism is an expression of faith, you know what would be equally chilling? Maybe even more so? If, if, if we could take a look at the North American church attending community. The North American church attending community. And let's say their faith was illustrated by a baptism. Just like the Knights a thousand years ago. You know what I mean? Okay, so, so if we did that, you know what would be chilling? A vast, vast, vast majority of North American church attenders would be holding what up out of the water? Yeah, it's not bad. I'll get to that later. Yeah, that is really good, okay? But it's not the one I was thinking of. Vast majority? Oh, it's their wallet. A vast, vast, vast majority. They, don't, they, they trust God with a lot of stuff. They don't trust God with their cash. And so I was honest with you. I said, man, I, I struggle with anxiety and struggle with self-pity. I want to let it go. This is one that I've never struggled with. Okay, so I'm going to explain it to you as I've understood it from the very beginning of following Jesus. Here's where it starts. It starts with this realization. Everything, everything that I have is from God. Everything. Every opportunity I, ha every opportunity I have comes from Him. All my intelligence, all my abundance of intelligence, okay, all my power, all my IQ, all my EQ, everything comes from God. And then once I come to that realization, here's the next step. I, I, I then, in, out of a sense of, I don't know, gratitude and faith, realizing that everything I have comes from him, I bring back, you know, so I didn't say give? I don't give God anything. I don't give God anything. Crazy? I don't give God anything. Out of a sense of gratitude and faith, you know what I do? Realizing that everything I have comes from him, what do I do? I bring back the first tenth of what he's already given me. And the point is, the point is that as I've been blessed, I also am a blessing because I bring it back to the church so that other people can find help and hope and connection like I have. And here's what's amazing. If that was it, that's enough for me. Boom, done. I get it. But the Bible actually says that when I bring back, when I, you notice I didn't say give, did I mention that I don't give God anything? Did I say that already? Yeah. Are you crazy? I don't give God anything. I bring back the first tenth of what he gave me. And here's what the Bible says. It says that uh, he blesses me then more with the remaining 90 than I could ever bless myself with 100. Well, I've lived that. It's absolutely true. It's so chilling though. Because a vast majority of North American church attenders, if faith was represented by baptism, there they are. It's tough. So hard, you know. G.K. Chesterton said it this way. It's not that the Christian ideal has been tried and found wanting. 
It's not that the Christian ideal has been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. It's not that the Christian ideal has been tried and found wanting. It's that it's been found difficult and left untried. So I can stand up here, and I'll be honest with you. Anxiety and self-pity, i got to work on those. This is one that I don't have to work on, and I've seen his faithfulness play out in our financial lives over and over and over and over again. And what's chilling to me is that when you have all these North American church attenders and they're holding their wallet up above the water, all I would want to ask them is this, and not in a sarcastic way, by the way, not in a chippy way. I would want to ask them this in a really friendly, happy way. Okay, maybe not happy, but friendly, okay? How's it working? How's it working for you? How's your sense of contentment? How's your sense of joy? How's your sense of peace? when it comes to your finances. And if the answer is crappy, that's a technical term for it. If the answer is crappy, I would say, oh, I can help you. I was listening to this song on my way in this morning and then I ended up listening to it on repeat. It's called, No One's Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. And there's a line in the song that goes like this. I hope I don't butcher it. It says, let my children tell their children. Let this be their memory that all my treasure was in heaven and Jesus meant everything to me. Let my children tell their children. Let this be their memory that all my treasure was in heaven and he meant everything to me. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Over the last six weeks, I've had three or four people come up to me and they say, Mike, I've been watching the, the services online and, and, and I come here to Chilliwack. I traveled from where I live to Chilliwack because I just wanted to experience it in person, you know? And here's what I'm going to do. We actually put our house up for sale because we're going to move to Chilliwack and we want to be a part of what Southside Church is doing. We just feel like it'd be great for our souls. And you know what my first thought is when they say that? It's crazy. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? I'm a pastor. I think that's crazy. What a weird world we live in, right? Because someone says that, and part of me says, well, that's crazy. But then someone else will come up to me and go, oh, we're moving. We're moving. We're moving out of Chilliwack. We're moving to Spuzzum. Awesome idea, okay? If you're watching online from Spuzzum, I love Spuzzum. Never been there, but I bet you it's awesome, okay? So we're moving to Spuzzum. Why? $5,000 a year raise, baby. 83 bucks a week. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. We don't even laugh at that. We don't think that's crazy. But that someone says to me, man, I, I think I know what would be good for my soul. I think I know what would be good for my family. Moving to Chilliwack. It reminds me of this New Testament book of James. He says this in James chapter 4. Now I have a word for you who brashly announced, today at the latest tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. You know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of fog, fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say this. If the master wills it and we're still alive, we'll do this or we'll do that. I like that. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. 
I've got to be honest, this next one that I want to talk about wrecked a really cool idea I had for this sermon. So my idea for this sermon was to have props. Not just one prop, not just the sword. I was going to have props for everything. I had a little mouth when I was going to talk about the mouth. Okay, I had an hourglass to talk about the painful past and trying to control the uncontrollable future. I had a wallet, that's a pretty easy one, for money. And then I got to this one and I had to scrap the whole prop idea because it's sexuality. And I thought it would make the sermon really awkward. (laughs) Or more awkward than it already has been, okay? Sexuality. God created sex for people. It's amazing. It's mind-blowing, actually. God created sex for people. God created sex for people. God created sex for people. God did not create people for sex. What does that mean? Oh, here's what it means. You are infinitely loved. You are absolutely, incredibly valuable. You are beautiful. You are worthwhile. And it has nothing to do with your sexuality. You understand that? Like you are beautiful, you are valuable, you are worthwhile, you are infinitely loved, and it is not based on your sexuality. God makes sex for people, he didn't make people for sex. You're so much more than your sexuality. But God created sex for people, okay? Sex is a whole life connection, mind, body, soul, mind, body, soul, mind, body, soul. Whole life connection, that's sex. And so it's made for a whole life commitment called marriage. Mind, body, soul. <laughs> You're like, well, I'm, that's tough, that's old fashioned. Yeah, it, it, it is difficult. It's great though. This whole faith thing, right? This whole faith thing, this wholehearted abandonment to God, but not just any God, the God. God of mercy and grace and kindness and power and love, that God. And then once you get married, listen to this, once you get married, his plan is that you would be faithful to the person you're married for the rest of your life. Physically faithful, makes sense, okay? Emotionally faithful, don't get in some weird emotional affair. And spiritually faithful, have have you ever thought of that, being spiritually faithful? Spiritual faithfulness is just this. The Bible says that when you get married, when you get married, the two become one. You know what spiritual unfaithfulness is? Is when you try to take the one and make it two. How do you do that? It's she and me. And it's your problem. No, God says there is, there is no she and me. <laughs> There's no me and you anymore. It's we. It's we. It's we. We travel together. We face this together. Not a lot of pastors talk about porn anymore. Gets a little awkward, you know? Not an easy prop for it, I'll tell you that. (laughs) It's also like, I don't know, statistically speaking, well over half of the people watching online or here in person, you have some form of addiction to pornography. And so it's a tough thing to bring up because it's like, oh, like, why bother? The battle is lost. Oh, no, it's not at all. It's not even kind of lost. So here's the problem with porn. It's demonic. Ooh, big word, Mike. Okay, so let's break that down. What does demonic mean? Oh, it's a spiritual cancer. It's a, it's, it's, it's a spiritual cancer. Here's what I mean. You don't have a soul. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. 
you have a body and you have a mind, you are a soul. The problem with porn is it's spiritual cancer. Now, <clears throat> I could go on and I could talk about the fact that there's multi-trillion dollar porn industry that's based on addiction, abuse, and abduction. I'm not even gonna get into that. Can I just keep it real simple? Porn is a cancer to your soul. Here's why. Because porn is lust, God is what? God is love. Love gives, lust takes. Love helps, lust owns. Love is selfless, lust is selfish. <clears throat> Porn's a spiritual cancer. It's a big deal because if your soul isn't healthy, it's going to affect every area of your life. Statistically speaking, over half of the people watching online and in person today, you really, really struggle with it, men and women. And here's what I think you should do. I think you should win this year. I think you should win this year. It's funny, in the past we had this group for men who were trying to get out of pornography, Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer. Well, what if that would have like fallen off? <laughs> Pastor thrown in jail for assault with a plastic weapon. Okay, so, 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 so Dragon Slayer, but it got so annoying. Dragon Slayer was so annoying. If you were in Dragon Slayer, I'm not trying to insult you, but I found the group annoying. Not the people in the group. I didn't say that. I had to shut up here pretty quick. Okay, so. No, I found it annoying. You want to know why? Because there's all these people that joined it, but they didn't want to quit. They didn't want to win. You get what I'm saying? They kind of were doing it in theory, knowing that it was the right thing to do, but they didn't really want to win. So I want to talk to you for a second about the fact that porn is a spiritual cancer. Have you been looking around your family lately? Have you been looking around your home lately and asking yourself this question, what's going on? Like, why is there so much anxiety? Why is there so much conflict? Why is there so much bitterness? Why is there so much guilt? Why is there so much greed? Why is there so much depression? Oh, because what you've been doing, you don't realize this, it's not just you, it's, just, it's not just compartmentalized. That's a lot of syllables, okay? So it's, it, you're pumping a spiritual cancer into your family. Why am I so insecure? Why am I struggling to just be me? Oh, you've been, you've been pumping a spiritual cancer into your soul, and what happens is it doesn't compartmentalize, it affects your spiritual health. So here's what you do, you win. <laughs> that's, that's the Dragon Slayer group for 2022, win. No, just win, it's a big deal, just win. Because you can win, right? So, so, so where are you getting porn? Cable, cancel it, easy. Your phone? Oh, get, get a bunch of internet accountability software on your phone. And some of you look at me and say, oh, that doesn't work. I've tried that. I find a way around it. Okay, okay, listen to this, because I think you should win. This is going to blow your mind. You can win. Is your phone? Here's what you do. You ready? Get rid of it. Oh, come on, Mike. Are you insane? Get rid of it. You know, I could lose my job. I could lose my job if I get rid of my phone. Who cares? Wait, that was way too negative. Okay, just a second. 
I could lose my job if I get rid of my phone. Respectfully, who cares? Who cares? I'm betting on you. Now listen to me, I'm actually so serious about this. I'm betting on you. You'll be just fine. You, you with a healthy soul, a clear mind and clear eyes, my money's on you. You'll be just fine. Win. Just win. Find someone in your small group. I hope you're in a small group. If you're not in yet, make sure you come to 101 right after this service and get connected. But find someone in your small group and just say this. Not 100 people. It doesn't have to be a bunch of people, but one person you can trust and just say, hey, I'm going to win this year. Can you pray for me? I don't know exactly where you're at. I could go on and on and on with what it might be for you that you're holding up out of the water. I was thinking about social media, you know? Social media. Um, I just think you should have a plan for social media. Because there's a reason why the people who develop the social media apps don't let their kids on social media. You should have a plan for your social media. What is your plan? Because if you don't have a plan, I want to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to drift to social media, over, statistically speaking, way more than you could even believe. And when you drift to it, it feeds three things. The reason why the people who develop the apps won't let their kids on it, they know this. It feeds three things. Jealousy, anger, anxiety. So what's your plan? Like, have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, you know what I'm going to say. Get rid of it. I just said this, like, how cool would it be if I could just, like, cut the cap right off of this thing and say, get rid of it, bang, and the, but I can't. Yeah, we're going to win this year. My money's on you. So next week, we're going to start this six, well, we're going to continue this six-week series called Five, and I'm going to give you five steps. You're going to love it. Like, honestly, if you're watching online right now, invite everyone you can to be a part of what we're doing next week. I'm going to explain prayer in a way you've never heard before, and it's actually going to fire you up. If you're here in person and you feel comfortable inviting people to be here, get everyone you can out. It's going to be amazing. Here's what's crazy, though. Listen to this. Listen to this. If you're brand new to church and you're still checking out the Jesus thing, these five steps I'm going to give you are really going to help you. They're going to make your life better. But if you've been a church person for a long time, you've been following Jesus for a long time, if you don't start here, it ain't going to work. It won't work. It's got to start with faith. At some point in our lives, in some point of our lives following Jesus, we have to say, Jesus, I actually trust you. Can I give you an illustration that'll show that? I'm gonna take that as a, Mike, please do. Like, it's just gonna, I can't wait, I can't wait, thanks. Okay, so here it is. Imagine walking beside the Mediterranean Sea a thousand years ago. Can you imagine seeing those, that forest of swords? I know one thing I would be thinking, I wanna get way out of this area when those guys come walking out of the water, right? But what if one of them came to you and said, hey man, do you got a second? And you said, well, you have a sword and I don't, so I'll, whatever, how much, however much time you need. And, he, and, and, and this knight Templar said to you, hey, I've been struggling spiritually. 
I don't know, I'm just not feeling spiritual healthy. I'm spiritually healthy, you know? Just don't feel vibrant. I don't think he would have used that word, but let's just say he did, okay? I don't feel vibrant. I don't feel, I, 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 I don't feel, I'm, I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with guilt. I'm struggling with all kinds of stuff. And I just want to know, what can I do to be spiritually healthy? You look at the dude and go, you're kidding me, right? You don't know? No, I'm just wondering, like, should I read the Bible a little bit more? Should I spend some time in silence and solitude? Should I memorize scripture? You know, should I fast? <laughs> You'd be like, what? Yeah, just wondering. You probably wouldn't look at him and go, hey, you know what? This is what you should do. Read the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. It'll turn your life around, I'll tell you that right now. I mean, it probably will. You should read it, okay? But what would you say? What would you say to him? Man, I think I'm onto something. I think I know what might be killing your soul, Mr. Knight. What is it? Come on, man. Have faith. That's it. And I would say the same to you, and I would say the same to me. At some point of our lives, we have to say, Jesus, I'm all in. When you close your eyes and bow your heads, it's going to be a, a different close from one that I've done in a long time. No one's raising hands, nothing like that. I just want to talk to you. This is just a moment between you and God. Is there some area of your life that you're not trusting him right now and are you willing to trust him? If you're a longtime church attender and you're saying to yourself, there's nothing, I can help you, it's pride. Okay, for the rest of us, for the rest of us, what is it? I already told you for me, what God's putting his finger on my life right now, for me it's anxiety and self-pity. What is it for you? just between you and God, would you be willing to give it to him today? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you gave everything for me. So may, may my children tell their children Let this be their memory, that all my treasure was in heaven, and you meant everything to me. I'm all in. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.